Part three, chapter one of Indian Boyhood by Charles Eastman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part three, my plays and playmates. Chapter one, games and sports. The Indian boy was a prince of the wilderness. He had but very little work to do during the period of his boyhood. His principal occupation was the practice of a few simple arts in warfare and the chase aside from this he was master of his time whatever was required of us boys was quickly performed then the field was clear for our games and plays there was always keen competition among us we felt very much as our fathers did in hunting and war each one strove to excel all the others it is true that our savage life was a precarious one and full of dreadful catastrophes however this never prevented us from enjoying our sports to the fullest extent as we left our teepees in the morning we were never sure that our scalps would not dangle from a pole in the afternoon it was an uncertain life to be sure yet we observed that the fawns skipped and played happily while the gray wolves might be peeping forth from behind the hills ready to tear them limb from limb our sports were moulded by the life and customs of our people indeed we practised only what we expected to do when grown our games were feats with the bow and arrow foot and pony races wrestling swimming and imitation of the customs and habits of our fathers we had sham fights with mud balls and willow wands we played lacrosse made war upon bees shot winter arrows which were used only in that season and coasted upon the ribs of animals and buffalo robes no sooner did the boys get together than as a usual thing they divided into squads and chose sides then a leading arrow was shot at random into the air before it fell to the ground a volley from the bows of the participants followed each player was quick to note the direction and speed of the leading arrow and he tried to send his own at the same speed and at an equal height so that when it fell it would be closer to the first than any of the others it was considered out of place to shoot by first sighting the object aimed at this was usually impracticable in actual life because the object was almost always in motion while the hunter himself was often upon the back of a pony at full gallop therefore it was the off-hand shot that the indian boy sought to master there was another game with arrows that was characterized by gambling and was generally confined to the men the races were an everyday occurrence at noon the boys were usually gathered by some pleasant sheet of water and as soon as the ponies were watered they were allowed to graze for an hour or two while the boys stripped for their noonday sports a boy might say to some other whom he considered his equal i can't run but i will challenge you to fifty paces a former hero when beaten would often explain his defeat by saying i drank too much water boys of all ages were paired for a spin and the little red men cheered on their favorites with spirit as soon as this was ended the pony races followed all the speedy ponies were picked out and riders chosen if a boy declined to ride there would be shouts of derision last of all came the swimming a little urchin would hang on to his pony's long tail while the latter with only his head above water glided sportively along finally the animals were driven into a fine field of grass and we turned our attention to other games 
lacrosse was an older game and was confined entirely to the sisseton and santee sioux shinny such as is enjoyed by white boys on the ice is still played on the open prairie by the western sioux the moccasin game although sometimes played by the boys was intended mainly for adults the mud and willow fight was rather a severe and dangerous sport a lump of soft clay was stuck on the end of a limber and springy willow wand and thrown as boys throw apples from sticks with considerable force when there were fifty or a hundred players on each side the battle became warm but anything to arouse the bravery of indian boys seemed to them a good and wholesome diversion wrestling was largely indulged in by us all it may seem odd but wrestling was done by a great many boys at once from ten to any number on a side it was really a battle in which each one chose his opponent the rule was that if a boy sat down he was let alone but as long as he remained standing within the field he was open to an attack no one struck with the hand but all manner of tripping with legs and feet and butting with the knees was allowed altogether was an exhausting pastime fully equal to the american game of football and only the young athlete could really enjoy it one of our most curious sports was a war upon the nests of wild bees we imagined ourselves about to make an attack upon the ojibways or some tribal foe we all painted and stole cautiously upon the nest then with a rush and a war-whoop sprang upon the object of our attack and endeavored to destroy it but it seemed that the bees were always on the alert and never entirely surprised for they always raised quite as many scalps as did their bold assailants after the onslaught upon the nest was ended we usually followed it by a pretended scalp dance on the occasion of my first experience in this mode of warfare there were two other little boys who were also novices one of them particularly was really too young to indulge in an exploit of that kind as it was the custom of our people when they killed or wounded an enemy on the battlefield to announce the fact in a loud voice we did the same my friend a little wound as i will call him for i do not remember his name being quite small was unable to reach the nest until it had been well trampled upon and broken and the insects had made a counter-charge with such vigor as to repulse and scatter our numbers in every direction however he evidently did not want to retreat without any honors so he bravely jumped upon the nest and yelled i the brave little wound to-day kill the only fierce enemy scarcely were the last words uttered when he screamed as if stabbed to the heart one of his older companions shouted dive into the water run dive into the water for there was a lake near by this advice he obeyed when we had reassembled and were indulging in our mimic dance little wound was not allowed to dance he was considered not to be in existence he had been killed by our enemies the bee tribe poor little fellow his swollen face was sad and ashamed as he sat on a fallen log and watched the dance although he might well have styled himself one of the noble dead who had died for their country yet he was not unmindful that he had screamed and this weakness would be apt to recur to him many times in the future we had some quiet plays which we alternated with the more severe and warlike ones among them were throwing wands and snow arrows in the winter we coasted much we had no double rippers or toboggans but six or seven of the long ribs of a buffalo fastened together at the larger end 
answered all practical purposes sometimes a strip of basswood bark four feet long and about six inches wide was used with considerable skill we stood on one end and held the other using the slippery inside of the bark for the outside and thus coasting down long hills with remarkable speed the spinning of tops was one of the all-absorbing winter sports we made our tops heart-shaped of wood horn or bone we whipped them with a long thong of buckskin the handle was a stick about a foot long and sometimes we whittled the stick to make it spoon-shaped at one end we played games with these tops two to fifty boys at one time each whips his top until it hums then one takes the lead and the rest follow in a sort of obstacle race the top must spin all the way through there were bars of snow over which we must pilot our top in the spoon end of our whip then again we would toss it in the air or on to another open spot of ice or smooth snow crust from twenty to fifty paces away the top that holds out the longest is the winner sometimes we played medicine dance this to us was almost what playing church is among white children but our people seemed to think it an act of irreverence to imitate these dances therefore performances of this kind were always enjoyed in secret we used to observe all the important ceremonies and it required something of an actor to reproduce the dramatic features of the dance the real dances occupied a day and a night and the program was long and varied so that it was not easy to execute all the details perfectly but the indian children are born imitators the boys built an arbor of pine boughs in some out-of-the-way place and at one end of it was a rude lodge this was the medicine lodge or headquarters all the initiates were there at the further end or entrance were the doorkeepers or soldiers as we called them the members of each lodge entered in a body standing in single file and facing the headquarters each stretched out his right hand and a prayer was offered by the leader after which they took the places assigned to them when the preliminaries had been completed our leader sounded the big drum and we all said ah ho 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 as a sort of amen then the choir began their song and whenever they ended a verse we all said again ah ho 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 at last they struck up the chorus and we all got upon our feet and began to dance by simply lifting up one foot and then the other with a slight swing to the body each boy was representing or imitating some one of the medicine men we painted and decorated ourselves just as they did and carried a bird or squirrel skins or occasionally live birds and chipmunks as our medicine bags and small white shells or pebbles for medicine charms then the persons to be initiated were brought in and seated with much ceremony upon a blanket or buffalo robe directly in front of them the ground was levelled smooth and here we laid an old pipe filled with dried leaves for tobacco around it we placed the variously coloured feathers of the birds we had killed and cedar and sweet grass we burned for incense finally those of us who had been selected to perform this ceremony stretched out our arms at full length holding the sacred medicine bags and aiming them at the new members after swinging them four times we shot them suddenly forward but did not let go the novices then fell forward on their faces as if dead quickly a chorus was struck up and we all joined in a lively dance around the supposed bodies the girls covered them up with their blankets thus burying the dead at last we resurrected them with our charms and led them to their places among the audience then came the last general dance and the final feast 
i was often selected as choir-master on these occasions for i had happened to learn many of the medicine songs and was quite an apt mimic my grandmother who was a noted medicine woman of the turtle lodge on hearing of these sacrilegious acts as she called them warned me that if any of the medicine men should discover them they would punish me terribly by shriveling my limbs with slow disease occasionally we also played white man our knowledge of the pale-face was limited but we had learned that he brought goods whenever he came and that our people exchanged furs for his merchandise we also knew that his complexion was pale that he had short hair on his head and long hair on his face and that he wore coat trousers and hat and did not patronize blankets in the daytime this was the picture we had formed of the white man so we painted two or three of our number with white clay and put on them birchen hats which we sewed up for the occasion fastened a piece of fur to their chins for a beard and altered their costumes as much as lay within our power the white of the birch bark was made to answer for their white shirts their merchandise consisted of sand for sugar wild beans for coffee dried leaves for tea pulverized earth for gunpowder pebbles for bullets and clear water for the dangerous spirit water we traded for these goods with skins of squirrels rabbits and small birds when we played hunting buffalo we would send a few good runners off on the open prairie with a supply of meat then start a few equally swift boys to chase them and capture the food once we were engaged in this sport when a real hunt by the men was in progress yet we did not realize that it was so near until in the midst of our play we saw an immense buffalo coming at full speed directly toward us our mimic buffalo hunt turned into a very real buffalo scare fortunately we were near the edge of the woods and we soon disappeared among the leaves like a covey of young prairie chickens and some hid in the bushes while others took refuge in tall trees we loved to play in the water when we had no ponies we often had swimming matches of our own and sometimes made rafts with which we crossed lakes and rivers it was a common thing to duck a young or timid boy or to carry him into deep water to struggle as best he might i remember a perilous ride with a companion on an unmanageable log when we were both less than seven years old the older boys had put us on this uncertain bark and pushed us out into the swift current of the river i cannot speak for my comrade in distress but i can say now that i would rather ride on a swift bronco any day than try to stay on and steady a short log in a river i never knew how we managed to prevent a shipwreck on that voyage and to reach the shore we had many curious wild pets there were young foxes bears wolves raccoons fawns buffalo calves and birds of all kinds tamed by various boys my pets were different at different times but i particularly remember one i once had a grizzly bear for a pet and so far as he and i were concerned our relations were charming and very close but i hardly know whether he made more enemies for me or i for him it was his habit to treat every boy unmercifully who injured me he was despised for his conduct in my interest and i was hated on account of his interference end of part three chapter one